This is episode 135 of the Ancient Health Podcast. If you're new to our show, this is a space designed to grow you in mind, body, and spirit using the wisdom of ancient modalities. Before diving into today's episode, I want to ask you, what do you do when your reserves are gone? What do you do when the small things feel heavy and hard to accomplish? You know those things like taking care of your kids or going to the gym, making meals, or maybe you're managing the small things well, but you lack creativity and fresh ideas. In this episode, our guest, Rebecca Lyons, shares truths and solutions to help you restore the life-giving rhythms that fulfill your greatest potential. If you take away anything from this episode, know this, you cannot consume and create at the same time. So if you know you're missing the mark on your potential, it's time to take audit of your life. Start assessing the inputs of your day-to-day and begin practicing the non-negotiables that truly matter. I know this episode meant a lot to me and I know that it's going to resonate with you too. So thank you for joining. Let's get into today's episode with Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited to have you at the Health Institute and really for you to share kind of an angle of health that maybe isn't often thought of because it's not content or it's not conversation that's directly linked to biology. Um, It is directly linked to biology, (laughs) but we're looking at it in more of a mindset capacity and how our bodies are designed uniquely to operate in certain rhythms. And I would love to just give you the floor right off the bat. And you've got extensive work and uh, books and so much knowledge around incorporating different rhythms, how that plays an impact in our physical health and in our mental health. Um, But if you could set the stage, maybe even give us a little, you know, recap of what kind of led you into this, like what your personal experience has been, uh, just to give us some context and then walk us through what those rhythms look like. Yeah. So this began for me 12 years ago when we moved to New York City, like the heart of Manhattan from the suburbs of the South. We had three kids at the time were age nine, seven, and five. My oldest has a Down syndrome diagnosis. So he, you know, cognitively is trying to process what just happened. Why do we lose our minivan? (laughs) Why are we walking everywhere? Um, But partly it was really felt, we felt called to the city. We were all about, we're people of faith. We want to bring faith in the intersection of science and research and arts and media and government policy and education. We think our faith informs those things. Um, And so we were serving a lot of people in those front lines of those industries. And we just decided this was a midlife adventure. (laughs) And um, about four months into my time there, I started having panic attacks and really rooted in claustrophobia because all of a sudden you've got 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. And there is no such thing as personal space on the subway or elevators or crowds. So those were really, they began on planes, but then trains, elevators, subways, crowds, and basically anywhere you walk in New York. And so I lived with chronic acute um, panic attacks for over a year. And I would just have to kind of like jump off the elevator or try to claw the subway doors back open or just try to kind of be this fight, flight, or freeze management. And I'd never had experience of that in my whole life. Um, It just happened so fast and was so debilitating that I just became a shell. I began to avoid all those places. Um, I I began to do all the things that reinforce the brain to say like, none of these places are safe because anytime you run from that place, you're just telling your brain you're right to run and you should keep running. 
And so it took me a while to kind of realize that the only way that we combat any phobias is through exposure. It's through controlled exposures to those things that used to send us reeling. And so um, I, d- I remember a specific moment where I just cried out to God for rescue and it was the middle of the night and I was flooded with peace. I wouldn't call it healing at the time um, because it really was just kind of this transfer of going, God, I need I need you and what you have to bring to the table, not just what I bring to the table because clearly that's not working. And I did feel the peace of God in that moment. And what that looked like walking out was just more of this healing journey for the next decade. I didn't have another acute panic attack for seven years. So it really, there was really a kind of a shift that happened in my way of thinking, my way of trusting, my way of surrendering. Honestly, I think meaning always follows surrender. And part of what I was doing so much in those first year was just resisting and controlling and avoiding it was like I was in hypervigilant survival mode and that is not a way to heal. So there, as a result of that season, I just realized that there were like foundational elements in my life that were missing because I was always just kind of like worried that my oldest would run off or um, because he was kind of a wonderer. My, my oldest, again, with a Down syndrome syndrome diagnosis, he is largely nonverbal and he would just like to go explore in Central Park and we would lose him and we would get like, all the students from Boston College to help us find him or whoever was nearby. And I just realized I, for that first decade prior, had lived in acute panic in different ways. Um, we fought for his life the day he was born. Um, he was four and a half pounds full term, just failure to thrive, didn't grow the last trimester. It was emergency C-section. I almost, you know, I almost was paralyzed on the table from two um, epidurals back to back that didn't really have time to set in. So it was just trauma from day one of being a mother. And I think New York just was the pressure cooker that pushed all that trauma to the surface. It was just kind of the the boiling pot (laughs) um, that bubbled over. And, but I really don't, I don't regret that season because it actually taught me some foundational things about myself, about others, about God, about life, about our health, our bodies, and that, you know, that our bodies really do keep the score of the traumas that we carry, even if we kind of will our way from our reserves, because eventually those reserves are gone. And when those reserves are gone, that was New York for me. I had no more reserves. And my body was just kind of screaming, going like, you've got to get some things in order. You got to probably grieve the unresolved grief from a decade prior. You've, you're just, you've just left home and family and security and everything that you knew in Atlanta you know, my neighborhood and my community and all the things we sold 75% of what we had, it sounded very reckless and abandoned and exciting because I'm kind of a risk taker. But on the back end of that, it was a free fall. And as a result of that, it just kind of shook me to my core of going, what do we really need in life? What are the non-negotiables of what we need to be human? And so I started to kind of get those down in my journal, started to practice those things in the city. And it kind of boiled down to these four foundational rhythms of rest, restore, connect, and create. These are the four quadrants of a a holistic life. And that rest represents rest. It's very, very, you know, self-explanatory, but it's that inner life. It's that spiritual life or that inner life that just... It reminds me of that quote by Augustine, St. Augustine, that says, we are made for God and our hearts are restless until they're found in him. So it's like, if we, if we have faith, we kind of believe that the Lord 
made us to need something greater than ourselves, like some higher power, some greater being, some deity that's stronger and greater than we are that we can rest in versus being gods ourselves, like many gods ourselves. Because when we make ourselves gods, we feel like we have to rescue and solve everything. And we're just fragile. We're frail. We don't really have the whole capacity to do that. So when things fall apart, we're not sure who to blame. We blame ourselves. And then we kind of condemn ourselves and self-loathing or hatred begins and shame follows that. So I just decided to kind of begin again and go, okay, Lord, like, God, what is, what is um, my inner life? Am I okay? Am I, do I condemn myself? Or is my thought life okay? Is there toxicity there? Um, and then I just had to get honest with God. And then first with God, because then once I felt like I could tell God how I was feeling, then I was able to more um, readily tell my loved ones, my husband, my, my children, my friendship, um, like, Hey, um, I've just been, you know, and I now know that the, that, that connection is vulnerability. Like vulnerability is part of how we connect and are human. Like we show our fragile selves to people. We, we have people that we can trust that are safe places to land and that therein lies healing. Healing comes in those relationships that are safe and trusted who don't kind of condemn and blame and point fingers, but go like, I can see why you have walked this road. And, and that makes sense. And that's what you're feeling right now is actually normal. It's not weird. It's like, not you that's crazy. It's the circumstance that's crazy. And that's okay. You know, like there's a lot of empathy that can be had in um, just owning that rest rhythm. And so that's the spiritual life, just that our inner life is at peace. And then part of that part of the things I write about in that rest rhythm are very obvious, like routines for deep sleep or, or tech detox or getting quiet and silencing the noise, taking inventory of your life. What's right, wrong, confused, and missing. Like just doing an audit, an audit of your life. <laughs> what is right? What is wrong? What is confused? What is missing? And Gabe and I, my husband and I, we've been married 25 years. We'll do this quarterly. It's not even an annual thing because every season, even into the summer or into the fall, or into the new year, um, we've got four kids all in different seasons, all, all going different directions. We kind of have to go, which kid needs more right now? And what do we need? And what, you know, where are the gaps? And it's just kind of that SWOT analysis that can, that needs to happen so that you can recalibrate some things. So that's all in the rest rhythm. And then the next rhythm is restore, which is a lot of what you guys do and what you're all about is about the physical body, the integration of the body with the inner life, the mind, soul, the spirit. But the body is all about just the movement, the movement and the, the foods we consume and the way we move. And they're so integrated, as we all know, you know, like emotions attached to organs. If we get out and raise our heart rate, serotonin is released in our brain when we hold a hug for five to eight seconds. The dopamine that comes from that and the oxytocin that comes from that, that um, gives you connection and well-belonging. It's it's all kind of the movement to me is the healing of that, the movement and the input. So just what you're putting in your body, food for fuel, and then how you're moving your body. And so for me, those very basic ones are obviously walking every day, being in nature, not just in a gym, like getting actual, like breathing in, <laughs> breathing in air, like fresh air. And, but then obviously like whether it's Pilates or yoga or stretching or the things that kind of open you up and expand you to that. And then we garden. So we're trying to be a little more proactive on, you know, eating food that grows on a plant, not made in a plant. <laughs> so um, just making that a focus for our family in the last three years and trying to 
just really, and I know just everything you guys are about is this, I'm, I'm not saying anything you guys don't already know, but that to me is a foundational pillar for health. So I've got, you got the, the mind, you've got the body. And then the last two pillars are the output rhythms and those are connect and create. And those are the relationships. And then create is the vocation, the work, the meaning that you're making. And so the relationships are um, a lot of the principles around relationships would be, you know, apologizing first, uh, leading with vulnerability, being the friend you wish to have. Like we know that a lot of depression stems from the loneliness epidemic um, because in your pain, you feel like no one else is sharing that. And there's a real beautiful picture of faith, even where God comes to be with us and comes near us. And the witness is actually the healing. It's not that somebody says, Hey, I'm going to tell you my trial and I want you to give me three solutions on how to fix those things. Typically um, the response is, I just want to be able to share in a place that I feel seen and known and loved in the absence of shame so that I can then create beautiful things. It's just a, it's kind of just the way we're wired. And so um, in marriage counseling, our counselor once said to, to Gabe, it's like, you should ask Rebecca before she begins, does she want a solution or a listening ear? And I was like, has any woman ever said solution? <laughs> like, I'm not sure. I, I think most women, that's why we're such natural connectors. We just want listening ears and we want to be those for each other. It's just easy and effortless for us to do that. I think it's a little more learned um, in our relationships with our, with our husbands, perhaps. But at the same point, we all need it. Everyone needs that connection. Everyone needs to be able to like unload and feel like the other person isn't judging them or that they should feel differently or that they should have these three steps to act appropriately. Part of it's just holding space for someone to exhale. Um, so that's the connect rhythm. This is a very long answer. And then the final one is the vocation rhythm, which I get most excited about. It's the create rhythm. It's about our work, what we working with our hands, dreaming again, recovering our passions learning new things. It's like the thing that keeps us alive. It's actually vitality. And, um, but a lot of times we might be working really hard at work and we're killing it with overwork or long hours. And we're wondering why we're falling short. Like the things we put our hands to don't have fruit or they don't have scale or they don't have like success. And, and my conviction is it's because those first three rhythms, the foundational blocks that support a healthy calling um, are suffering. So if you're killing it at work, but you're not sleeping well, and you're, you know, you're taking coffee to upload and then wind to wind down, or your, your relationships are suffering, you're not having real connection with your family or your friends, that it's just a house of cards waiting to fall. Um, but when those things are established from the ground up, the inner life, the physical life, the relational life, then all of a sudden the vocational life is just a natural fruit or byproduct of a healthy foundation. So that was a very long answer. I'm sorry I kept going, but um, that's kind of the summary. I love that so much. And I even like the way that you took us through the sequence because I don't think that I had really connected the dots. You know, I have seen kind of these four pillars or quadrants as you called them of rhythms, but to see the sequence of the inputs affecting the outputs and that there are inputs and that there, there needs to be such an emphasis on that because you know, we live in a culture where there's, it's so heavily weighted on, it's just outcome driven. It's performance driven. It's, well, what are you doing? Like, it's all about finding your worth or value as an equation that's linked to what you're able to do every single day and not necessarily placing the value on who you're becoming, 
through the practices that are developing the skill sets that bring you the fruit. And so I, I love that you even broke it down and said, you know, the inputs are the most important part. Like that's the beginning yeah. to rest and restore. Like if you are not in a place where you're filling those buckets, there's nothing to squeeze and wring out. So right. you can't, you know, that there's nothing that you're going to be able to show up with that you'll be proud of that are going to exceed your expectations. You'll merely be surviving and maybe just hitting a, a minimal threshold of expectation. But those dreams that you have that were given to you on purpose because they're unique to you and who you are and what your skill set and what you've been equipped with, you'll never be able to reach that level without taking the time for the rest mm-hmm. and the the, yeah. the building up to allow that yeah. fruit to develop. So I even love how you yeah. layered it because it's not like a spoke, you know, like a wheel mm-hmm. with just all these little attachments. It's literally like like building a house, you know, with Mm -hmm. foundation and structure in place. Mm -hmm. I love and appreciate that picture so much. You know, a lot of our listeners are very health conscious and they're very forward thinking in how they incorporate or choose different lifestyle practices that promote their health. And, and one of the things that, that I see commonly, and I've experienced myself, and I'm sure you have to some degree too, is, you know, being in that place of healing where, things are broken down and it's like, you know it because you feel those pains every day, but it's like, how do you start to create rhythms that stack up to amount to that healing place? Like that, Mm. that place where you're, you're thriving and your body's starting to function and your mind is starting to click, like you're repairing all the pieces, Mm -hmm. but it's hard when you're sick. It's hard Mm -hmm. when you don't feel like you have mental clarity. You don't feel Mm -hmm. like you have the motivation so what would you advise that person or encourage that in person with in trying to reestablish the rhythms when it's very much disjointed? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, the, the backstory that got you where you are is that um, burnout is when you give from an empty well, like an empty place, right? So again, the reserves that were there from foundational like development, like just the develop from adolescence to adulthood you're youthful, you have vigor, you're kind of more active. As you get older, you have responsibilities. And all of a sudden, the responsibilities outweigh the replenishment so much that those reserves keep dipping to the point where you're now in a deficit, where even the smallest things feel very challenging, right? Like making your bed, getting the laundry done, just having the house in order or having the kids out the door on time. I mean, (laughs) trust me, I've lived in all of these worlds. And so you think about how long did it take you to lose those reserves? And then how long does it take you to rebuild them? Um, It means that at some point in your life, you're going to have to have enough of a pause because you don't get paid for taking a nap. You definitely don't get a raise. You don't get like affirmed on social media. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe it's like you're on a really good feed that people cheer you on when you, when you rest. But a lot of times that has never been celebrated. It's never been affirmed. Um, It's almost been seen as a, a sign of weakness. And, and quite frankly, I think that's why as a culture, we are so starved um, emotionally, um, mentally, we are actually kind of in this, you know, a pandemic, not just, uh, you know, obviously what we've seen around the globe, but um, physically, but, a, but a mental health pandemic of epic proportions, because we have been wa- operating in a deficit for so long that says you're only worthy as um, your worth is only as good as your latest accomplishment which means you can't get off this hamster wheel. Like you, and, and what a, what a bleak 
future, right? If you're already tired now and you're in your 30s or your early 40s, well, how are you going to do it in your 50s? What's it going to look like in your 60s? So um, all of a sudden, I just, I got real serious about this. I'm in my upper 40s. We'll just, we'll just go there with it. And I thought I want to play the long game. I have two children with special needs. We adopted a little girl who's eight now from China three years ago. She also has a Down syndrome diagnosis. So there are bookends. So in essence, we'll never be empty nesters. We'll kind of be doing the parenting gig for a long time. And I did that um, knowing that my career, um, if you will, might be compromised, uh, that my output might be 50% of what it used to be. But I also knew that as a firstborn, like type A driven person, that I needed some guardrails in my life that would actually keep me from overproducing from a place of insecurity, unworthiness. And just letting me like be present as one who is loved, one who is loved exactly as I am. That's the hardest thing to believe, right? We like hear that we are loved, um, but the biggest challenge is having the ability to believe it. And our actions are usually the fruit of unbelief. It's kind of like, if I don't do these three extra things, I'm not valuable enough in what I brought today. Now, this is not to kind of like affirm this like, you know, complacent, positive culture where we just lay on the couch and we take, you know, unemployment. That is not at all what we're saying. I'm speaking to the, like the ones who are young, the guns who are running and they've never known how to not run and go, okay, that could be just as off balance as the one who lays on their couch their whole life. Right. So how do we find this regulation of, of production of input and output? And I think that's exactly what it is, is that if you've gone so long with so much output and no input, you're gonna have to auto-correct with more input right now than output. Maybe you take a sabbatical season in the summer where like, that's what I'm doing. My kids are home, so it's not quite the same, but it's still the same in that besides writing right now, I've already pre-recorded all my podcasts for the summer. I'm just writing. I do have a book deadline in August on this new project. But that's just a few hours in the morning and the rest is play. I'm not like managing like a team. I'm not, I'm just like somebody else is kind of handling those things. And I know that everyone kind of has to work that out for their rhythm, but you need a, obviously a weekly Sabbath. You need a day where you're not online. You're not like, don't even look at your phone. Don't look at social media. As much as you think that that's entertainment, it's not, it's comparison. And then all of a sudden it makes you feel like I actually now have to do a little bit more. So I've gotten off of socials for the most part right now in this last probably year while I write, because I feel like it robs my creativity. It makes me want to see what other people are doing versus find the divine inspiration that I think God wants to give me. And so it might look like I'm suffering sometimes when I'm not always on, but the amount of time I'm getting back to my day and the clear thinking I'm getting and the real connections I'm getting with my friends offline is so much more restorative than getting extra follows on Instagram. It just, I can't, I can't say it enough. I was like, heavy hitting online for a decade. And then all of a sudden I was like, if this, if this makes me want to walk from my work, then my focus is on the wrong place. Because my, the first thing that God calls us to is our anointing. It's our gifting. And for me, it's writing. And if I lose sight of the ability to do that, because I'm so bogged down in the management of promotion, promoting things, then I'm losing the joy of the actual craft the gift itself. So the replenishment for me in summary has been offline, real reading, real books that I love to do, real writing of real books that I love to do, hosting in our home, dinners, friendships, having hard, like not hard, but honest conversations just about life and holding space for that, making room for that. That 
that is actually more replenishing than you can possibly imagine. It's just sharing a meal and inviting people over and breaking bread and then just being outside. Uh, in the summer, I'm outside. I try to be outside like five hours a day. I'll sit on our porch for three hours and write. I'll then go for a walk. Gabe and I might go hike. We take our Vespa and we go ride somewhere. You know, it's just like, I'm just all about the vitamin D and I'm a Florida girl. I grew up in Florida. So I was like outside from dawn till dusk. And so it's just going like, what are the things that make you feel energized, replenished, youthful? Those are the things that are going to build your reserves, make room for them. And if it means that you might take a pay cut in a certain season, because you're just like for the next three months, I'm just going to do, I'm going to produce half of what I was producing. That's okay. Or maybe I'm going to hire the right person who's going to do this way better than me and then give me the margin to actually be creative and innovative that could actually take things further than had I stayed in the weeds overworking in the places that aren't in my gifting. So that's what I've had to do. And I've had to be very proactive about that. I would say in the last two years since COVID, um, I took the pause, like I was in 30 cities a year, always speaking, traveling every weekend. And I was like, okay, I'm now going to re-enter with half the amount of speaking events, half the amount of email newsletters, half the amount of Instagram posts, half the, like, I just kind of came back as 50% Rebecca. And it's because I wanted 50% of my personal life back. And I felt like that was suffering, but I was like a hundred percent work, 20% personal life. And I just said, the scales are going to go back to where it's 50% of my management and my time is going to go to my work. Um, but it's going to come from the fruit of 50%, like my, my personal life being so filled up that this all of a sudden is the overflow into my work, like those building blocks I described earlier. That's, that's such an incredible journey and story. I appreciate your vulnerability and even just sharing, you know, what you up until present day, like what you're actively doing. And I think that that is a huge part of it is understanding really what is the intention behind a lot of what you're, what you're doing. I mean, I, I like, as soon as you even tapped on, you know, the insecurity element, like, are you really trying to produce fruit in your life because it comes from a place of feeling insecure about your, or your own ability, you know, is it because you feel like if I don't prove to myself that I can accomplish so much every day that I don't have value, that yes. I don't see myself as having the worth and the value that my creator has already, has already given me like that. That's already yes. defined. It's, it's, that's not something that can be taken away, but I think yeah. some of us can get in the pattern and especially people that we see that it's not that people for the most part are just unwilling to do the work. The problem is that people get in a pattern. They get in a rhythm of staying in the weeds, like you said, and it's, well, it's just that daily hit. It's like, a, it's like an addiction of, well, if I can hustle and I can accomplish so much every day that I will have that satisfaction of knowing that I showed up and I'm accomplishing something and I'm carrying out purpose. When at the end of the day, it's running us ragged and we're never fully even probably getting close to hitting our potential because it's what you learn in the seasons of downtime that you carry with you that that's what gives you the creative energy. And I love that you even connected it to social media because that's for everybody, I feel like, to some level, especially those that are in business. You know, we have a lot of health coaches and practitioners and people that are in constantly helping, but we use and leverage social media as a channel 
to help build our businesses for our, you know, our livelihood. But what we don't realize is that connection to, you know, kind of an unhealthy side of it, which is you're getting the comparison element. Like you said, like you, you may not think, you know, you may think you're just scrolling and that you're kind of just, your mind is like in a a very like numb space, but you're really consuming at that point. What are you consuming? Yeah. And you can't consume and create at the same time. So if you want to be innovative and creative in your space, you have to actually really reduce the amount of consumption. Now, when I say there's healthy versions of consumption, like I just switched my input. So instead of like scrolling, like dances on TikTok or whatever, right. I'm reading brain books because I'll do that early in the morning because I have the stamina for it. And it's the research behind the writing. And I feel like there's so much learning that, that we still have, you know, like we act like, oh, I've arrived, right? I'm in my forties and I've written like half a dozen books. And I, I, what more is, there's so much more to learn. And if you're not growing, you are dying. So this sense of like, what brings like aha moments to your life, add those, add the, oh, wow. I never knew. I didn't ever understand this about trauma, how three people, three different people could experience the same trauma and have very different responses to it. And why? Like, I just never, like, there's a little mind blow when I like read things that are very engaging in my field. And I was like, well, I could, I could take time to discover and uncover and have those aha moments, or I could just distract, you know, just distract and scroll. And honestly, there was, I I almost would get like, like an anxiety um, and, and I can feel, you know, we're very in tune with our bodies now, the older we get and like when our chest tightens and the breathing gets shallow, we're like, what is doing this? I just opened my iCal. It's a two over scheduled or, oh, I just was watching someone online, like kind of brag about their latest, you know, bestseller, whatever, you know, and all that does to me as a writer is go, well, I hope my next book is a bestseller, but why do I need my book? And I just felt like the Lord so clearly to me last year was like, just do the work and release the outcome. Just do the work, put your head down, live a quiet life. This scripture says, live a quiet life, work with your hands and release the outcome. And wow, what a freeing thought, right? Like that we don't have to hustle to prove something that God already says is true about us, that, that we are loved and we're chosen and we're appointed and we're set apart and that he goes before us and he brings people around that all our days were written and planned before one of them began that he calls destiny out over the womb and that his works were wonderful when he made us. Like there's so much promise in scripture that um, when you just come back to the heart of focusing on that, then this kind of life is about this outpouring, this overflow of like, wow, God, thanks for being so kind and gracious. And thank you for my health. Thank you that everyone woke today with breath in their lungs. And yes, we are grieving my mother-in-law who passed in January. And, but my father-in-law is coming down in two days and we'll still remember her. And that's just kind of the, that's the ebb and flow of life. Like where pain and sorrow and rejoicing all coexist. They all commingle. But in the end, we are really very in touch with our frailty and our humanity. And we're not shamed because of it, but we celebrate and embrace that we know the one who, who does help us overcome, who does help us have victory, who does help us um, accomplish great things. But it's not for us. It's for, it's for something much bigger than us. And when I keep that perspective... It's like, well, then I get to do this. Thank you, God. Versus like, oh, I've got another deadline. I'm overscheduled. And it's like, well, you're the only one who managed saying yes to that thing, right? So I've had to get better um, at spacing things out, extending deadlines, creating more margin, and, and just kind of putting down the people-pleasing thing 
um, that wants to be all things to all people when they need them, because that's kind of just part of my childhood, just like wanting to be enough. So everyone else was enough. And I think there's an unraveling that comes with that when you become an adult to go, Hey, this is not going to all get done and it's going to be okay. And we're not going to, it's not going to get done by this day. Maybe it'll be another month from now. And just communicating that with my team, communicating that with my publishers and all the different people that work with me on the editorial side. And there has been grace around the room, trust me, because everyone else is also feeling it for the record. And it just takes someone to go like, let's just, let's just extend this for this reason. I'll still be good for it. I'm, I'm, my, I'm a person of my word, but I want to make sure I come into these decisions with the boundaries and guardrails and the convictions that I don't want to stray from because I do want the long game. I want to continue to be writing and teaching into my eighties and nineties. Like I want this long obedience in the same direction. And that comes with pacing. Uh, We are not, we are not in a sprint. This is a marathon guys. And you've got to actually give yourself those healthy breaks, those rhythms of rest that can give you this replenishing as you go. And that to me is a life that's really joyful. There's so much freedom in that. Like what you just said, I think if anything, hopefully everybody feels like you can just take a deep exhale because the amount of pressure that is really self-inflicted, I mean, there's nobody else that's watching you in the way that you are evaluating your own performance, but we put an unnecessary amount of pressure on ourselves to show up. Like we've only got, you know, a 48 hour window to accomplish so much. And I, I heard on another podcast recently, and I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about, you know, it's, there's so much priority or there, there's so much that's placed on visioneering and really seeing like, okay, well, what is it that you want and where are you headed? And what are you doing to try and get there? When in reality, like the vision, isn't the hard part it's there and it's given to you. It's usually, you know, very clear because it's tied deeply with like a conviction or passion that you have, but it's not that far out of range. Like we always think like, what's going to take our entire adult life and, you know, decades of work. So we can't miss a single day because that's the vision Mm -hmm. and that's where we're going. When in reality, it's really kind of the culmination and sum of all the things that we've experienced up until now, that's leading us right to that divine purpose and that outcome. Mm -hmm. It's just that we need to kind of get out of our own way and put the brakes on a little bit and receive that rest and just allow everything to fall into place, like allow that fruit to be birthed instead of trying to force it. And I think we force so much and then we lose the joy and we lose the sight of the vision, you know, and then, and then by the time you even get there, you're resentful because it came at the expense of all your relationships and maybe some financial struggle and sleepless nights, your health is, you know, compromised and, and then you don't even get to experience the fruit of the labor, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I love I just love this conversation so much because I know it resonates with me. And I know for a fact that, you know, anybody listening is probably like, amen, because that's (laughs) not, that's not what we really get you know, it's sing from the hilltops, but it's like, go, go, go. And, Mm -hmm. and, and thinking that it is a sprint and that every, if you take a break, everybody else is outpacing you. And that's not, that's really not how to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's just growing up and maturing all of a sudden you like when you've seen more of life and you've seen the highs and lows successes and the failures and even the successes that didn't kind of like, you know, transform you like, even if you've had mountaintop moments, you come off of those and you're like, 
that was nice. That was great. But I don't, but then you start to realize that life isn't about the high and the low. Life is about the, just the steady, long obedience and the faithfulness of that. And it's really rewarding to like, look at your spouse 25 years later and go, well, we've had a whole lot of highs and a whole lot of lows, but what's most important is that we're still here. We're actually still here. And there's something about just staying the course and not living in the, the extremes and just going like, let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Let's keep telling the truth. Let's keep being honest. Let's keep taking care of our bodies. Let's keep nurturing our children. Um, let's keep um, pouring into um, relationships and investing in them. Let's just, it's not that complicated. It's really just part of humanity. But when we don't create, create crazy goals out here that are like everything else, else has to die for that goal to be accomplished, then it allows us to actually dream together and go, what kind of goals can we even have in our marriage that doesn't sacrifice me or you, um, but that has like to witness the togetherness even of that. So it's almost like made me reimagine my work with Gabe or his work with me. We do, we host our own retreats together and our own podcasts together. It's outside of like my work as an author or a speaker or his work as a, a nonprofit founder. And it's almost like allowed everything to kind of be more fluid and more um, responsive creatively and inspiring. And so I would just say to the person listening is, Follow the signs of life that feed you, that nourish you, that kind of get you a little um, animated, right? You know, I always talk about like calling is attached to like where we get crazy eyes and we start talking really excited. And somebody's like, you should pay attention to that. <laughs> like there's something there that you get really excited about. I had two friends that kind of just went full tilt with golf this last couple of years, like left like high pain, like um, successful publishing jobs. And they like, they just golf together around the country. They're very good at it. They are now like, called podcasts and inspiring other people and the, just the permission to play and recreation. And, you know, and to some people that would feel indulgent, like, oh, I don't have time to that, you know, but I just think God like gives us gifts, these nuggets that he places in front of us. And he says, follow that. Like, if that is something like for me, <laughs> the last three years, I learned a horseback ride, like, well, pickleball, like I wouldn't say well, but I do love a pickleball tournament and golf. And I was like, I didn't really make room for play these last you know, decade. But in the last couple of years, it really has been more of a priority because I'm a better human to be around. <laughs> and as a result of that, I might not be like winning all the top numbers publicly because I'm always like striving into something, but I'm a better friend. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better human that can just kind of slow and, and be present and pay attention to the small things that are the most rewarding. And in the end, we all, we take nothing with us, right? We take nothing with us. All our days are numbered. And let's just make the days we have today, tomorrow, next week, be ones that count. This isn't for some like pie in the sky, like success story that we're going to leave our kids millions, right? Like let's live today as if today is like one of the few we have left and make it count and find joy in it, find peace in it and get outside, move your body, eat something healthy be around people that you love, speak life over them. And in the end, everything else kind of fades. I think you just summed that up so well. And I, I love how you just said, follow the signs of life that feeds you. Because that is, sometimes we can get stressed out thinking, well, I don't have, I don't have any hobbies. I don't know what I like. I haven't had time. Like it's been 10 years yeah. since I had 
you know, a couple of days to myself, what do I do? I've been raising kids. Like, I don't know who I am. And, and I think it can be small, you know, it can be going for a walk and listening to a podcast. It could, you know, yeah, for sure. could, whatever that looks like for you. I decided mm-hmm. I was going to start shaving our dog last, last summer. <laughs> and I thought, cause this is going to, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to start grooming this big sheep doodle And I was like, That's I'm going to awesome. do it myself. I'll tell you what, it took three hours to shave this dog down, but it was like therapy for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I get no, it. I can't hear anything. It's just the humming of the clippers. And I was just going to town. So, I mean, it can look about as strange as, you yeah. know, anything. I love horses yeah. too. So that's great. But uh, I just, you know, I think this is so timely because of the season and talking even about rhythms, just bringing that in. Like there are seasons of life. You were not meant to sprint every single season. And, and I love that you are honoring that in your own life and, and you're, you're leading by example in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that hopefully it just encourages, I know it encourages me, but for somebody else too, that you can step into that season of exhale, that season of rest, because it will serve you. And, and Mm -hmm. you'll be surprised at how much you actually consume, like how much you receive that will, Mm -hmm. that will ultimately make you more fruitful in the season to follow, but you have to mm-hmm. honor those ebbs and flows. Otherwise you'll never fill your bucket, you know, and, and right. it's going to manifest downstream. It will take a toll on your, on your body and your health and, mm-hmm. and your body does keep score. You said that early on. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's so true. We see mm-hmm. traumas all the times that just manifest in different tissues and parts of the body. And, and then that has to be addressed at some point. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's dick. So, mm-hmm. um, well, Let's wrap this up. I would love maybe if you just gave us, I'm becoming more of a reader, but because it's summertime, people are maybe like sitting by the pool or, you know, we have yeah. audio books now. So even if you don't like to look, you know, at, mm-hmm. at a book, uh, in a hard copy, many people listen to it. What is maybe a book right now that is something you're into and it could be your, your own, you've written several books and they're incredible. Uh, we talked a little bit about that before, uh, the show and, and they are, um, for anybody that's listening, Rebecca has incredible resources online, um, and several books, rhythms of grace and her podcast rhythms of life with your husband, which is incredible as well. Make sure you check, check that out. But what are you or your husband, Gabe, are you guys doing a summer read together? Is there a book that you're really excited about diving into or one that, you know, you could leave with us as kind of a, maybe something to put on our list? Yeah. So this is more of a brain book. Um, and it's the one most people have heard of it came out recently, but I think it, it's more, um, it's definitely not a beach read, but it's called what happened to you. And it's stories of resilience, trauma, and healing. Mm. And that was with Oprah and Dr. George Perry. So that's really readable and legible and helpful. Um, if you're looking for just something to kind of help like a brain book, I would say that's a, that would be my top recommend right now for a brain book. Um, if you're looking for just kind of like a memoir or just kind of a, so the very first book I wrote was called Free Fall to Fly. And most friends say they, they read it in two days. And it's definitely not like a self-help. It was like the story of kind of the crash and burn and then the rescue. And it's just kind of a fast read. Um, so that's kind of a summer read, Free Fall to Fly. It was the very first one. Most of my friends still say it's their favorite because it's more just memoir. And and then I would say another good book that I enjoyed was Shauna Nyquist's latest book called I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. And I think it's just a real freeing, um, it, it definitely talks about some struggle and transition. Um, but I think she, um, she really talks honestly. And I think I really appreciate an author who's, 
very vulnerable, um, but also gracious and honoring um, with with story. And so I just thought that was an awesome read. I, I read that. I didn't want it to end. And that's a really good one too. That one just came out in April, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I'm familiar with her work, but I haven't picked that one up yet. So yeah. I'll have to add that one to my list for sure. And like I said, you're, um, you've got devotional books and, um, and it, I just, I love not only your story, but really allowing God to just deliver something, a message through you that has such incredible impact because it is relevant to every single person in some way, shape or form. You know, we're all kind of working with the same, uh, raw materials, but it's how we're, how we allow God to shape and assimilate that in our lives and where we yield and where we step into and, and what we claim and own. And, and so I love that you have done that and you've shown that through your own life experience. So, um, it's just been incredible to have you. I feel so good, you know, having going into my weekend, I'm like, man, it's just, it's like a mind refresh, but it is, it's what we're consuming. That's really what is shaping us. Our, our behaviors are leading in the, in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if you're experiencing emotions and you're seeing behavior play out in your life, that isn't congruent with what you value, then like, what are, what are you thinking? What are you putting in? What are those inputs? Mm -hmm. So I hope that that is so serving, you know, to our audience and, um, and just encouraging to know that you're not alone, that we're all, you know, doing this together. So thank you so much for your time today. It's just been Absolutely. a joy having you. Well, thank you. I love you and the community and all that you guys are doing. And I hope this is encouraging and helpful and that you guys have fun, have some fun this summer for sure. <laughs> yes. And be sure for to sure. check out our show notes. We'll link uh, everywhere that you can find Rebecca on social media, her website, her books and things like that. So we'll have that in the show notes for you. So make sure that you um, check that out and definitely check out our podcast with her husband. They do an incredible job, awesome conversations, super encouraging. Um, and I love that. So thank you again for being with us. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all have a great day.